Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of One Mic Night. This is One Mic Night Talk where we talk about real topics that hopefully inspire you in your life. My name is Marco Luis and I want to thank you guys once again for everybody tuning into the episodes on YouTube and listening to all the uh, audio. Make sure if you don't subscribe to the YouTube channel, it's better to watch it so you can see it in real time. Today, we are back with clinical licensed clinical psychotherapist Shane Mark Tull, and also he's the author of the book, The Mental Health Pandemic, and we got a lot to talk about. Welcome back, sir. It's good to be here. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm so glad you could come and, you know, help us with a lot of things that we need to talk about, you know, in, in our society. So the last time we were together, we spoke, we were speaking about the uh, Tyree Nichols case. We actually filmed um, on the afternoon prior to the video release. So there's a lot of things that we didn't get a chance to talk about. So I want to kind of bring up some of those and um, update everybody on what's happening right now and where we stand just as individuals and, and people on this, uh, this horrific uh, journey, you know. Um, so I think, first of all, I, I want to talk about the reaction that we both have on this on this video. Um, it's been out, it was released on Friday, I think it was January 27th, maybe. Uh, and yeah, um, I would just say right away, I was uh, horrified, I was angry, I was uh, frightened. Um, I had a lot of emotions going through me. I felt the pain. Um, it's it's very disturbing it's like it's just repeating 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 these incidents and it makes people wonder you know where we are are, are we still considered three-fifths of a person because the way that this man was brutally beaten you know like an animal um and hopefully i'll be able to insert a clip of of the video in here so you know people can see what we're talking about um it's a hard thing to to watch. First of all, um, those of you who don't have a thresh, threshold for pain and, and, and that type of thing, I, I don't even recommend watching. I am still recovering from watching it. I it if someone can look, look at that and be traumatized enough to develop a mental diagnosis of PTSD. It was that graphic, it was that potent. I was asked earlier on a radio show if I thought um, looking at it as a clinician or did I look at it as, as a parent? I looked at it because that could have been my child. Yes, for sure. It could have been me, could have been one of my siblings, uh, could have been, that was us. Absolutely. And the brutality, it was jarring. The carelessness of it, the inhumanity of it, and but the most horrific part, these were black men beaten, criminalizing, kidnapping another black man in public with impunity. They were just very... Uh, it's okay. We could. It was very clear that's the culture of that unit. Right. 
it was very clear that this is everyday standard practice. This was not above the pay. It was just that's what they do. That's how they handle business on the street. So I am as horrified as I was. There was a part of me that I was not surprised,、mm. and that's and that saddens me because I didn't expect. I knew I knew it was going to be bad.、Yeah. I just knew. I knew it was going to be bad. I knew it was going to be horrible. My heart ached, but there was a part of me that I wasn't surprised because the rage that we, the rage that black men walk around with, living ex- coexisting in these bodies, is intense. Yes, and it was clear the way they projected that anger. And demonstrated that anger and that defenseless person, because all the injuries that they imparted to him, it was brutal. Yeah, I wanna, I wanna say, let's,、uh, you know, kind of catch people up to date as far as the video goes. For those people who did not watch it,、uh, Tyree Nichols was pulled over for erratic driving.、Um, allegedly. A, yeah, allegedly. Uh, stopped at a stoplight. He was yanked out of the car, thrown to the ground.、Uh, a few words exchanged. He was tased. Then the other police video. First of all, they had about 20 hours of police video,、uh, from what they say, from different angles and different body cams, which I'm happy that they have. You know.、Uh, so then he subsequently got away. He started running. The next video footage shows him at a different location where. Uh, two other officers had him down on the ground, and another officer comes up, starts beating him with a baton, and the another officer comes up and starts kicking him. He was kicked in the face. He was kicked in the abdomen while he's、uh, handcuffed. While he's handcuffed. Um, that's a hard thing to see. It's a hard thing for me to even talk about. You know, imagining myself, imagining a son, a relative, like you said, a brother, you know, someone that I know, anyone, this young man, you know, taking taking that sort of abuse, you know.、Uh, What struck me though was he was the victim, and he was the most controlled and calm person in the situation.、Right. He never got violent. He never got outrageous. They keep saying, "Why are you doing this? Stop!" He was not fighting back. He was the victim, but he seemed to be in control of the situation. And that I'm glad that was so, because there's nothing for them to say he was violent or he was trying to pull. Even though they did say make statements, oh, he was trying to pull out a gun. He must have been high. All that stuff. Right. There was no. Apparent evidence that he was under the influence of anything other than their brutality. Exactly. We need to see the footage for that one. It, you know, they did say he tried to pull out their gun. We need to see the footage of that. That's that's what、yes. I want to see.、Yes. Um, and then even if so,、mm, like you know, I have to wonder to myself: Would he then be in the right because he's trying to protect himself because he's being, you know, abused? Yes. So would he be within the rights to do so? I don't know, you know. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I it was interesting that they introduced the kidnapping charges because what happened 
if there was no reason to put him over, there was no probable cause, and they continued to detain him, that became kidnapping. Exactly. And I thought I was very creative by the prosecutor to add that. And, but you know, I, I can't speak for every black man and what we do and say this represent every black man's opinion, but I was really embarrassed for them. I was hurt for them that they had that mindset that it was okay to do this to another human being, it was okay to do this to another black man. That really, that part hurt me. I hurt for their families. I hurt for what they're going to go through for the rest of their lives. So at what point and where do we have a conversation around civility or around compassion and humanity? I was I was on a show yesterday and we were talking, oh, well, you know, we have diversity in the police forces and, and all this stuff. And, and this was the reason, because white cops were doing this. And my point is, diversity without sensitivity is a lost cause. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a lost cause. Absolutely. And I think this this type of thing, you know, uh, one more officer I think was indicted who was a white cop. You know, mm-hmm. they said he you yes. know, had something to do with it as well. So, but I guess the question is, where does this all come from? And we talked about this a little bit before. It, there's a black wall inside of a blue wall. Mm-hmm. So there has to be, you know, the issue of power, you know, that's that's in addition to what you mentioned earlier, where is the humanity? Where is, you know, how how can you, you know, the anger that black men carry with them and then you execute it along with the power that you have and unleash it on other people. And these are young black men that to give them this, I mean, being a police officer gives you a lot of power. Being in a specialized unit even gives you more power. Right. It actually, it gives you a lot of things. It gives you financial, more financial freedom. Indeed. It gives you a, a free pass to get into places and, mm-hmm. you know, attain certain things based on the fact that you're a police officer. No, you can flip your badge and walk through. Walk through. Mm-hmm. So, and giving them that kind of power, and when they are going into an institution that was intended to corral black folks, that's what the whole policing is about, and they're in that institution, and they're very, it's been made very clear to them early, are you black or are you blue? This blue wall, it's the blue, this is what you have to be committed to, you have to show allegiance to that, and you got to do everything you need to do to protect the blue. So there's no black once you you get in there, it's blue. And I think that putting in diversity without training, without sensitivity training, without not just them looking at a video, saying, okay, well, that's their cultural diversity training, but really having interactive experiences with people in the community, being part of community meetings, reaching out, going to the jail. Those are the things that humanizes us to, if we want to help society, we have to really understand what they go through. So you have to be part of the community, you have to, you have to be in the spaces 
that, they, that this community exists in. And if we're not doing that, how are you related to the community yet? Because I, I would be hard. I would like to think that if those officers lived in those lived in those communities, they might have been more sensitive up to how they interact with black men. Hmm. Might be. Maybe. That's it. That's it. You said maybe. maybe. Who knows? Because as I mentioned before, being a police officer gives you sort of an elite pass to do, to come and go, to, you know, do a lot of things and have privileges. So maybe they, even if they lived in the neighborhood, they wouldn't feel like part of the community or feel like they are the respected one. They're the ones who deserve respect at all time and whatever they say goes. Now, I want to go, I want to go back to something you mentioned because this brings up the uh, George Floyd uh, policing uh, law that they that, that we want to pass. So the George Floyd policing law uh, it passed the Senate back in 2021. Um, so it states, and I'm going to read here, it states for the accountability of the police misconduct, and it creates national police misconduct registry, which is a data bank which has all the information about complaints of and records of people on a federal level and a local level. It also requires police to complete a training, as you said, for discriminatory practices. Um, it also limits force. Uh, you know, officers must activate their body cameras and it prohibits the, the deadly force unless all other uh, le- use of less lethal forces have been exhausted. It's a beautiful right. thing. It's a beautiful thing. And this was passed by Congress, and it, it got held up in the Senate. In the Senate. It got held up in the Senate, and I think one of the big um, arguments they had is really about the, I think it's universal um, immunity for cops. Absolutely. That they were not, the Black Lives Matter movement wanted this piece in where they can be sued individually because yes. I think if they know that they will, they're legal, not just legally exposed, but they're financially ex- would be held liable, they'll be they will be better, or they'll give second thought to their behavior. And that was where uh, Tim Scott and Cory Booker could not make headways because that was a second point that. We really wanted that in there, which is imperative. So hopefully, I'm glad it it reignited the conversation. The the Congressional Black Caucus commented to the president that it was yesterday or the day before, really with a mandate that you really we really need to do something about police about police brutality. Absolutely. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that the police should be held accountable individually, or should they yeah. be? I think they should be held individually because what really happens to state the state are the ones that end up with the burden in terms of compensating families right to see the state and I really believe that you know if they know that their pension is going to be taken away they're going to lose their house they're going to lose their livelihood they will act better they'll be more responsible absolutely 
If you know that all these things will happen and you are held accountable, then you will take more care in a situation, you know, to, to reach a, a, pocket. It's an a, outcome, pocket. a good outcome. If yeah. we're going to be hurt in our pocket, we, res we respond more responsibly. That's right. So hopefully that comes through. But no, I really want us to really forward this conversation in about how, how do we get past this hurt in a collective way where there's a, a teachable moment and there's a heartfelt moment where we we recognize what happened is bad. It's hurt, it's painful. Mm -hmm. How do we heal? How do we feel? And where do we go for one, for healing? And uh, two, as we were talking about, to make this not happen again. How do we make this law pass? Do we continue to lobby? Do we continue to, you know, protest our, our points to let people know that every that the police officer should be held accountable for that their actions, which would mean that they would have to take better care in each individual situation, singularly and collectively. Someone has to step in. If you see that somebody's being beat, you have to step in as a police officer and say, hey, stop it. That's too much. Yeah, it's your responsibility. It is so, and I think that's the reason I think more of them will probably. I think yesterday or this morning they announced that another one, another police officer was relieved of duty. Yes. So maybe the culture will change. Maybe because this is culture. It's very clear. This is part of the institutional DNA that this this behavior is acceptable. And it's and they do it every day. So for black men who are already scared of cops, how do we galvanize around this issue, but also support each other as we deal with this anger? Because I think a part of two things that I I think we're experiencing is anger and shame. Anger that this young black man was a victim, and the shame that this was done by other black men, and we have to recognize that it's right. real. It's definitely double layer, double layer, if not triple layer. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, it it really speaks to how we relate to, you know, a police authority, uh, our fellow brother, um, what we expect. Um, how we carry ourselves in society even, you know, and, and I think I mentioned this before is at what point do you just comply to certain things and then deal with the legality of it later? You know, even if you know you're wrong, even if you know they're pulling you over for some insane reason, you pull over, you show your papers, you do what you have to do, hands on the steering wheel. It's sad. We're still there. We're still at that point. But if but the end result is death, absolutely. Yeah. If the end yeah. result is death, why not do it? Yeah. We have to lose the ego as well. I'm not saying that everybody has the ego. Sometimes you have to, you have to sit back and take a little, what they say, a slice of humble pie. Yeah. I know this officer is fucking with me. Excuse my French. Yeah. You know this officer yeah. is messing with me. So no. I'm just going to sit back, do what he says. And then if I have a problem or if he's not following the law correct, cor correctly, then I will press charges. I will go take the legal route. Yes. Yeah. But I think in that situation, 
most times they are so aggressive that you kind of are defending yourself or trying to explain to them this is not right and which doesn't diffuse the situation at all it seems to add to that so every i think every individual situation is different but i do believe that 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 need to protect yourself comes in it's just somebody's pulling out your car cussing at you and it's more than one of them yeah like what do you do and unfortunately i've always said that my few encounter with the cops the negative encounters have been with black cops now that's true i'm sorry that really that that has always been something that bothered that bothered me i've had a control here i own a house in new york i was doing airbnb and there was disturbance on the upper floor there were two white women staying on the lower floor they called the cops yeah, i mean and they had the right to call the cops because they heard a disturbance and the cops came i came down the stairs and they immediately thought I was the perpetrator. Mm, interesting. And those two white women, they came out and they're like, "No, this is his house." So I had to explain to them after the, the cops left that we be called me first. They said calling the cops and they coming into this space. I'm a black man. I could be because they like don't move, don't come down the stairs. And I had the nerve to ask me, "Well, how did you get this house?" And these are two young black men and I'm looking at them like are you crazy? They could you're in my house, you're right. in my hallway. Yes, you're the cops, you're called and they're the women are explaining to them this is his house. We're calling us. We heard a disturbance. We didn't know if he was home and we felt it safe. Even then they're like still the And so how do you know that's exactly what we're talking about how do we handle those situations do we handle it with calmness do we handle it with aggressiveness aggressive, aggressiveness back you know those are the things that we have to think about in now and those times so you know um, in that moment you really moment. i have i have to think about i need to live through this night and i don't need them to shoot me in my own house so i step back and no they when they figure it out they calm down and i brought it to their attention this is this is why we're scared of you guys right so this is my home exactly exactly you didn't even i see the the presumption that you thought that i'm the i'm the perpetrator <laughs> exactly so now then, then we have to get into the psychology of the police you know correct what's what's the psychology of the police it's you know all all already people of color are No. black cops so they already saw the hey so or the, i guess the broader question is how do black cops see us yes that's exactly what i mean do they see us as potential criminals black men just like them and what are they role is their role there to protect us or Curtis it was something yeah yeah 
that's it. And that, that's what I mean, you know, and, and obviously it's not every single police officer, you know, has that mentality, but we can, we can based on the evidence, <laughs> we can make an assumption that it's the psychology of the police that the people of color are the, you know, the people who are the problem. So how do we have these conversations with black cops? Letting them know not all of us are trying to hurt you. Just just how you're trying to get over to your family tonight. We're deserved the same discretion. You should be able to go home to our family without being without being killed, literally. Right. So. And and that goes back to what we were saying about, you know, the police entering a situation. How do you how do they go in with the sensitivity that Yes, you have the right to, you know, ask questions, but you have to treat people humanely. You have to treat them in a way, you know, where they're respected and you are respected back and you get the answers you need, you know, and they can get home to their family safe or they're detained and then you proceed from there. So it takes it takes, you know, uh, work on both parts. I agree. The same with the with the police officers. And it also takes work on our part, too, to know that we must follow what we need to do, you know, to get out of that situation. You, know, you have to, you have to let your ego go sometimes. I agree with you. If you want to make it home, be quiet. That's right. If you're offended at the end of it, you can always file a complaint. Get a lawyer. There are ways. There are always ways to address the situation after. It makes sure you get home alive. Absolutely. A couple of things that I want to say, you know, too, uh, about this case is that in the midst of all this happening, uh, he, someone started a GoFundMe page for him and the amount of support that came out, regardless of the uh, dollar amount, which was ex extraordinary, just the support and the people, the different types of people that actually came out, celebrities, uh, you know, the guy next door, different colors, everybody came together because they feel a way about the situation. And you know, that's the beauty of the tapestry of America. Now, we get it wrong a lot of times, but sometimes we also get it right. right. Because when that happened, what happened after that? The outpour of humanity and love and support that really should be the story of humanity. Yes. It and is. it's unfortunate such a tragedy happened to encourage us to be kind and to be humane to each other. But, you know, that's, I guess that's the, the struggle of America where bad things happen, but people respond in a, in a way that reminds us that there are good people that, that exist in this country and they're good people that do good and have goodwill. So, and it also I guess it's just a juxtaposition of where we are. You're, you're right. And it also reminds us that, you know, the laws in this country need to be modernized. We're still in a place where we're living in the past and we need to modernize some of the ways of the world to keep up with the changing you know, demographics, the changing culture of people, the changing way people think, uh, everything along with that. But I think at the core of who we are, humanity should always be 
there. Absolutely. Absolutely and should be there. That was just pure brutality and lack of humanity. I would have been just as upset if that was a young white man. I would too. I would too. And I'm saying, though, you know, laws, I'm saying that the modern world needs to have laws updated, you know, to enforce the humanity. You know, when when the police, like we said before, when the police were, the organization was made, it was to corral certain groups of people. So laws need to be implemented so that people, these police officers and people of authority stay within the boundaries and are held accountable. All the time. But you have to put in those sensitivity training and engagement and really make it become part of their culture. That your job is to protect society, not to hurt them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I pray that that culture becomes more paramount as we move on. You know, I think change change is incremental. We want it to be monumental in expeditions but it takes time it takes time and I would believe the the American experience is like a rubber band I think Barack Obama said it best it stretches and then it contracts I think we're in this contractual period hopefully moving forward it will stretch and really make room for everybody that that everyone in a way that we all feel safe in our body as we move around space to space that we feel that there will there is a sense of justice that is an equity that addresses my needs and does not threaten anyone else for them to feel that if my needs are addressed their needs are being abandoned and I think that's where that's where equity comes in right and we need to have a conversation about equity and what that looks like for everyone absolutely and you may not you may not agree with the way things you know go based on someone someone's feeling comfortable here you feel a little bit uncomfortable here but somewhere we have to meet in the middle because it has to be a united thread common thread that we can all you know survive in and thrive in and yeah and thrive we emotionally not, and you know financially all those things we we need to feel safe we need to feel yeah. safe in our homes on the streets and wherever whatever space we enter and we don't need to feel that we have when we enter a store or we enter the marketplace that the way you you have to be conscious of your movements and be aware of everyone else's perception of you as you, as you enter I have a discussion with my son said that you're a black man when you enter a space it creates feelings for certain people of course it does not always I'm, not, I'm not sure if that's ever going to change though i you know it's going to be a it's, long, yeah, long know, time because that has a history you know that's yeah, that's so deep it's, it's, i mean yeah, the things that we can do are actually what's happening right now we're in february we're in black history month we're in a month where people are celebrating and you're learning about american history you know yes. so all the positive things that people of color have done you know and you need to like everybody in the spectrum needs to listen and learn and see how people have contributed to the society and maybe that'll it, that'll help educate but it just makes it for a richer tapestry of America why wouldn't the more you? thought the Why more 
more you know, the more you learn. But that's you. If if we look at what goes on, what's going on right now in Florida, with DeSantis is trying to ban everything that is not white, white and mainstream. Yes. We're, we're, we're actually going to come back to that. I want to have an episode yeah, about yeah. that. That's, yeah, a, that's a good we really should. We, we're I definitely going to talk about that for Definitely. sure. Well, I think we gave him an earful today and I want to thank everybody for listening and all you who are you know, on the live chat every week. Please, please leave some comments down below. Make sure you share these episodes. Um, anything else you'd like to say? Uh, happy Black History Month. Amen. Even, even though Black History... <laughs> 365 days a year. That's right. Black history is American history. Indeed. Yes. So thank you everybody for listening to One Mike Night Talk. I am Marcos Luis. You can find me at M-A-R-C-O-S-L-U-I-S. How can they find you? Uh, Total Clinical Psychotherapy on Facebook and Instagram and TotalCPC at gmail.com I'm available don't hit him up on Twitter because he won't he won't retweet your tweets. I will. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get in there, okay? I'll get in there. <laughs> Maybe a little social media challenge, uh, yes. but that's okay. You can find it. But also make sure you pick up his book. It's available on Amazon, The Mental Health Pandemic. Shane M. Tull, licensed clinical therapist. Thank you so much. Um, We'll see you next time. It's One Mike Night Talk. Find the show at One Mike Night, O-N-E-M-I-C-N-I-T-E. I'm Marcos Luis. Also, make sure you check out the store, Azule's EN store. We have an Instagram page, and you can find the link down below. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time.